guys. Welcome to a new episode of Sauce Up the Scary. Derek Zoo, Jeff Wright, back at you. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm just hanging in there, man. It's not exactly the most stimulating days out here in rural America where I live, but uh, I'm thankful for that. So hanging in, just trying to do what I do. There you go. Cool, cool. Well, uh, we are back on the Paranormal Activity Express. This week we're going to be reviewing Paranormal Activity 2. But before we do that, Jeff Wright, can you believe it? We are going to go to everyone's favorite part of the show. No kidding. Yeah, man. Got a couple trailers this week. Well, that's excellent. Okay, let's go. Jeff hates trailers. And my man, I've got two for you right now. The first one is a movie called Unhinged. And the synopsis on it is as such. Academy Award winner Russell Crowe stars in Unhinged, a psychological thriller that takes something we've all experienced, road rage, to an unpredictable and terrifying conclusion. Rachel is running late getting to work when she crosses paths with a stranger, played by Russell Crowe, at a traffic light. Soon, Rachel finds herself and everyone she loves the target of a man who feels invisible and is looking to make one last mark upon the world by teaching her a series of deadly lessons. What follows is a dangerous game of cat and mouse that proves you never know who you're driving next to. That kind of makes me think of a higher brow fanatic. Yeah, and and Crow's kind of got that same uh, look about him. But I was also thinking about that Michael Douglas movie where he goes crazy. Falling down? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that seems like a pretty obvious parallel, too. Uh, that is, you know, I, I joked about Mika in Paranormal Activity 1 being a mirror. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'm going to try to hide anything here. I get road rage really easy. Yeah. And maybe I need to watch this as like a public service or like a, like an after school special from back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah. This is what happens if you go to the dark side. So, uh, I, I've had, a, in my time, I've had a few people tell me that I resemble Russell Crowe. Well, of uh, course, or he resembles you. Yeah, one or the other. And in this, he looks like he's at his heaviest, which I feel like I'm at my heaviest right now. Mm. And uh, so it was. Just, it really was like looking in the mirror. I was like, oh, gosh, is that how I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, next road trip, keep, you know, keep it under control, man. Yeah. Well, I was even, even driving through Branson today. You know, the, the city's packed because, you know, all the ordinances and stuff are gone and the strip is just stupid you know you you go from the strip being pretty pretty normal and and not a lot of people on it to now they're you know feels like it's packed again and i just remember getting mad looking in the mirror and be like don't be like russell crowe don't hunk out well so related to russell crowe you had told me you watched the mummy and found mm-hmm. his mr uh Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, interesting. So I yes. watched The Mummy. I'm not really proud of that decision in hindsight, but I did watch it. I'm sorry. And uh, maybe this is where you get more of his Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Get some blue vein makeup on and let him go. Yeah. What did you think about, I mean, obviously you, you didn't like the movie, but what did you think about his performance in it? You know, I thought that he he was fine. He, you know, he it, out of everything I had to criticize in that movie, he's not really at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like he didn't have to try. You know, he he goes from reserved British guy to uh, unreserved British guy with super strength. And I was like, yeah, right. that's Russell Crowe, you know, just a little bit over idle. You know, there's barely any gas going in here. So, yeah, maybe maybe a full length feature would have given him a chance to really get up and run. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, I mean, I think I said it before. There wasn't a lot uh, of good in that movie, but I thought he was he was the most intriguing part to me. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just wanting to see what's under Tom Cruise's uh, 
I don't even know what you call that thing. It's not a bandana. His head scarf now? Yeah. That's the only question I have left coming out of that movie. Yeah. I'm cruising to Burka. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we'll never know. Is it unfortunate? I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It's not <laughs> unfortunate at all. Well, so did the trailer look good? Uh, it was It was exactly what you would expect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, this isn't a movie that I would rush to theaters to watch. It's definitely not the first movie I'll go back to the theaters to watch if if movie theaters are open by then. It, it opens July first, so okay. I mean, we're looking at you know what three weeks down the road. I don't know if if major cinemas will be open by then or not. Um, but I think it would you know if it comes on Hulu sometime or HBO or Netflix or something, I wouldn't care to give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how eager I'll be to get back to movie theaters if AMC survives, you know? Yeah. It's a good question. I guess they're aiming for the 4th of July weekend. Are they? I mean, right. Like, that's what you're saying about, uh, sorry, they being the people who own the rights to this Russell Crowe movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if people, I think people are very ready to get outside. Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder how willing people are to get inside with strangers. That's so I yeah so I um I got to guest host Ramblings from Nowhere which is uh one of our sister podcasts yeah shout out uh, and uh, Jason and I actually talked about this where he he asked me do I think that video on demand is going away or do I think that it's you know here to stay as far as new releases go and I told him I think it's here to stay I think that they'll do hybrid stuff now mm-hmm. where it not only will it be released in theaters but it'll also be released into you know on into video on demand because I I don't know how many people will be willing to go back to the movies at least for the next 6 months. Yeah. And I mean 6 months may put us into another another season where an outbreak is possible, right? That would put right. us into the end of the year, so that would be I mean for us where I live that would be well into flu season. Right. Hmm. I, maybe maybe video on, on demand can actually work better in a quarantine eased world. Like I've we talked about it on a previous episode. The twenty something dollar price point is not it's just not appealing to me. But if I can bring some friends in and split the cost with them and we all watch it at somebody's house and you know you can do some kind of I don't know, safer distancing at somebody's house. Sure. Uh, or at least know what's going on with everybody and if they've been exposed. Maybe that's workable. I don't know. I, I feel like the price has got to come down if a husband and wife are going to treat it as date night and just buy it at the house instead of go to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. You know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, significant other. But maybe, yeah, maybe viewing parties will give them a market. Hmm. I'm willing to trust my living room over AMC. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be willing to trust your living room over AMC before this whole thing broke out. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. <laughs> that's true, too. I'm basically willing to trust the person who emails me about this huge inheritance I wasn't aware of. And if I can just send them a bank routing number, they'll send it to me. I, right. I'm, I'm pretty much willing to trust that person over AMC. Yeah. I just had a Nigerian prince email me about that maybe an hour or two ago. So yeah. I'm hoping hoping to get some pretty good money out of that. Yeah, I hope you do, man. Yeah, thanks, bud. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I you know going back to the unhinged, it's uh, yeah, like I said, it's everything that you expect it to be. Um, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think anybody's gonna win any kind of awards for it or anything. But you know, it's it's obvious that it's a movie that's gonna hit home with a lot of people because I think the majority of the people in the world probably do have real rage. Yep. And uh, how can everybody have road rage when so few of them are good drivers? Just based on my driving experience. (laughs) (laughs) 
don't, you don't have to answer that. It's more, yeah, it's gonna, more a commentary on my craziness. Well, I just, I'm going to refrain because I feel like it would get political. I don't want to do that. <laughs> or maybe not political, but uh, it might ruffle feathers the wrong way. Yeah. Well, then uh, don't ruffle feathers because I might come unhinged. See what I did there? Boom, Boom shot. July 1st. Mm-hmm. I love it. So that's the first one. Uh, the next one that we have is a trailer for the movie, You Should Have Left. And uh, the synopsis on You Should Have Left is as follows. Theo Conroy, played by Kevin Bacon, is a successful middle-aged man whose marriage to a much younger actress wife, Susanna, played by Amanda Seyfried. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah. Seyfried, I think. Dude, that is, that's not just age disparity. That's like grandma, I mean, sorry, grandpa and granddaughter. Yeah. Oh, my smokes. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was the first thing I noticed in the trailer, and then maybe a minute or two into the trailer, they make, they make light about it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, at least, at least it's part of the story. At least yeah. it's not, at least it's not one of these things where like Sean Connery's trying to bed Emma stone. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, we're not, I mean, I don't know how old Kevin Bacon is. He's <laughs> certainly not Sean Connery, but we're, we're in that territory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We're in well, that think, window. I think Amanda's in her twenties and, and Bacon's got to be pushing 60. Yeah. I'm looking this up. You keep telling me the synopsis, but I'm, I'm looking this up. Yeah. He'll be 62 on July 8th and she'll be coming around the mountain. Um, she's 34. So he's 30 years older. There you go. He's 30 years. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I get hung up on this, but anyway, no, I, I get it. I, I think it's garbage. Uh, but that's also how Hollywood's worked for the last infinity. Sure. So when I Googled her age, it's it popped up other people, other actresses age. Anne Hathaway's 37. Can can you believe Anne Hathaway is three years older than Amanda Seyfried? 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 I, Seyfried? No. Whatever. Whatever her name is. A, I feel stupid now. I can't say her name. <laughs> Amanda Siegfried and Roy. There you go. That's, that's much yeah. easier. Anyway, I, I, I sidebarred us. 30 no, years, y'all. 30 years. That's a younger wife. Yeah. 30 years. So uh, he is a middle-aged man. Apparently, he's a screenwriter. She's an actress. Uh, Their marriage is shredding at the seams, frayed by her secretiveness, his jealousy, and the shadow of his past. In an effort to repair the relationship, Theo and Susanna book a vacation at a stunning remote modern home in the Welsh countryside for themselves and their six-year-old daughter, Ella. Is this Gerald's game with a family? Uh, this is Brahms, too. <laughs> I just want to I just want to note that when it says the shadow of his past, that is an incredibly long shadow because he is in his mid, no, not mid, his early 60s. Sorry, I'll get off this. Because <laughs> he was her age when she was born. Anyway. Uh, what at first seems like a perfect retreat distorts into a perfect nightmare when Theo's grasp of reality begins to unravel and he suspects that the sinister force within the house knows more than he or Susanna have revealed even to each other. Okay. I mean, you, I, I have a scary movie podcast. I watch that. <laughs> yeah. And and if, if I'm going to pick between Unhinged and You Should Have Left just by the trailers, I'll go with You Should Have Left. Yeah. I mean, you should have left sounds like what she should have done the first time she was at the bar and he sent her a drink. Right. You know, uh, anyway, I'll uh, I'll probably watch this. Now, we talked about this briefly off air. I just want to note that I am a great fan of Stir of Echoes. That was one of the first scary movies I remember being really enchanted by. I watched it probably two, three years ago. The fashion in that thing is a absolute time travel trip. <laughs> But it kind of holds up. 
it's been long enough that I'd forgotten the plot details. So, uh, Kevin Bacon in horror, the only other exposure I know of where it's supernatural horror anyway, I enjoyed the trip. So I'll come back for, I mean, I'm going to say middle-aged because that's the term, the description <laughs> used, but I know the normal human lifespan, particularly for males and middle isn't exactly the term that I would use for middle age or for his age there. Uh, nonetheless, yeah. I'll come back and see it again 30 years later. Yeah, but you know, I don't know if it's a if it's a combination. Later. I don't know if it's a combination of good genes or plastic surgery or, or whatever the situation is. But I mean, Kevin Bacon can't really pass for like 50. Well, that does make it much less creepy. <laughs> Can you tell I'm hung up? I don't know why I'm hung up on this, but I hate that. So... I guess that's why I'm uh, hung up on it. And good for Kevin, right? I mean, good genes, that's great. Good for him, but Father Tom is undefeated. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, I mean, he, you know, as far, <laughs> I, as far as I can remember, Kevin Bacon has looked the exact same. He's all, I mean, he's always looked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there may be a little more wrinkles than he had in Footloose, but he still he still looks like Kevin Bacon. And so I don't know. I don't know if that's just good genetics or a good skin care treatment or if he had plastic surgery, but... He, I wouldn't have, if I was going into this, like, if I was going into this, not, know, not knowing who Kevin Bacon was, I wouldn't think he's 62 years old. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, and I need to, I guess, because I've come out so hot on this, that I'm not rooting for Kevin Bacon to die or look decrepit. I just find this an interesting plot point. So I looked up Kevin Bacon 2019. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, the facial hair suits him. Third image re- result, though, on uh, my 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 search here is from the PicayuneCurrent.com. Kevin Bacon, okay. sex keeps me young. So if anybody's looking for an excuse to vomit in the trash can, there you go. Picayune Current right there. <laughs> and speaking of sex, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is. Okay. <laughs> Want to look as young as Kevin Bacon? Time to trim that. No, okay. Um, yeah, so... Crazy age discrepancy aside, is this something – this comes out next week, June 19th. Yeah, so this comes out. It'll be on video on demand next week. Is this something that you would look to to possibly rent down the road or, or even drop the 20, 20 bucks on if you can find a couple more people to watch it with you? Yeah, uh, definitely both of those. Uh, if anybody's up for splitting this thing with me, holla at me. Uh, I mean, I'll watch this. Gerald's Game plus a potential ghost and a kid to make it even more sinister? Sure. Yeah, and it hits all the like child tropes in the trailer. Okay. So I actually think I'm gonna avoid the trailer on both of these, which is seeming more and more like an incredible luxury. Uh, because I I think I'm probably likely to watch both of those. Well there you go. Successful return of the horror reporter. I mean the uh Jeff H trailer segment. Yeah, for sure. And for those of you that do like trailers or would like to check these trailers out, I'll have them up in the Facebook group. We saw something scary tomorrow morning. So be on the lookout for those. Uh Thursday morning, if you're listening to this anytime after Thursday. We're recording on Wednesday. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, do you want to so- get into Yeah, fire away, man. <laughs> so I got two items for you here, Derek. <laughs> one of these you're not going to care for at all, and one of them's going to delight your soul. Hey, I'm in. Let's do it. All right. I'll let you guess which one this is, but you got to answer after the second one, because then you'll know. Okay. Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead is returning to drive-ins a 
across the country beginning June 13th. Oh, dang. Okay. Doesn't that sound like the perfect movie to go see at a drive-in? Yeah. Is that playing at the Sparta drive-in this weekend? Because I might come home for that. Yeah. So I'm just assuming it's not going to. Yeah. Based on the fact that it would be way too cool if it did. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wonder it, if it's it, going to be at the Watertown drive-in. <laughs> Watertown, uh, Miraville. I would drive to any of those places. Uh, hey, uh, this is way off topic. I apologize. But, uh, you know, we have to go down rabbit holes. That's what we do here on the show. Did you know uh, that Mac Powell is going to be at the Watertown Drive-In next month to do a concert? No. No, I didn't. Yeah. Is he doing it with his family band or is it some kind of third day thing? So it's him and like uh, it's it's more of a contemporary Christian. It's him and Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman. Ah, boy, that talk about playing the hits. Yeah, talk about 1999. Sure. <laughs> Mac's only doing time. He's only doing the time album. You know, actually, in 1999, I still would only be interested in Mac Powell out of that lineup. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> just like I feel in 2020. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and actually, if he did just do the time album, I would, I'd squeal like a little girl. For sure. There's Nobody has a voice like Mac Powell, man. No, he is. He's timeless. Yeah. You don't have to dig the theology, but listen to the voice because, man, yeah. the Lord gave him a good pipe or, you know, random chance, whatever. Gave him good pipes. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was he was blessed. However, however <laughs> you want to call it. However we got there. Well, speaking of being blessed, the good folks of Westbrook, Maine will be getting the uh, the Evil Dead this coming Saturday night, June 13th. And it's in 4K glory. Oh. Um it's going to have all the bells and whistles. Uh, I guess theaters can choose to show Evil Dead Reimagined, which is something I'm unaware of. But there's a couple that will be doing so, and they will be showing it in the 35 millimeter rather than oh. digital. And, dude, I'd love to watch any of that. But I just yeah. I got to believe that Sparta is going to be like, eh, it's it's called Evil Dead. I don't think that's our market. Yeah. Here's Scoob. Yeah, which, by the way, I will totally watch Scoob as well. My kids are already like, Dad, when can we watch Scoob? And I'm like, when well, it's not 20 bucks or y'all can chip in. <laughs> yeah, man. J- uh, speaking of uh, Jason Hole again, Jason told me Scoob was really good. Yeah, I'm I'm all about that. Uh, just I'm too tight. What? I mean, basically, I'm a stereotypical dad. So, hey, man, I get it. I get it. Turn the lights off. Keep the air, you know, at a crisp 68. I get it. I I feel like we need to ask our listeners, though, that if any of y'all go to a drive-in that's going to show The Evil Dead, I feel like we need you to be our on-site correspondent and yes. give us a report. This this sounds perfect. And, man, yeah. just a great way to spend a summer night. Why? It, it's just this twisted irony that I live next to a functioning drive-in theater, and there's 100% chance The Evil Dead does not show up there. Yeah. So... I don't know. Are there driving theaters in Missouri? Surely there are. I'm sure that there are, man. But I, I mean, I, I told you before we hit record, I'm coming home anyway. Yeah. So well, maybe it'll be one of the weekends back when you're there, but work hadn't fired up yet. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, work keeps getting pushed back week by week. So <laughs> you can be a correspondent then. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. Hey, um, again, because we're just going down rabbit holes, um, there's two dates in October that I need you to need you to be aware of. Uh, October okay. the 10th, I have uh, tentatively put down for um, my return to the Happy Trails Brewing Company in Sparta. Yeah. All right. 
So that'll be fun. And then uh, three weeks later on a Saturday is October 31st. And if we're ever going to do that uh, sauce of the scary get together at the drive-in, that would probably be the one to do it on. Okay. Well, I'll reach out. Maybe I can reach out and be like, could y'all do the evil dead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can make that happen. All right, listeners, how many of y'all are willing to drive into Middle Tennessee, fly into Middle Tennessee, whatever it takes to come see uh, Saw Something Scary at the drive-in? You need to hit us up on social media or Facebook group. Holla at you boys. Full show. All right, so, man. Oh, so I'm oh. assuming that's the good news. What's the bad news? Well, I, don't, I don't know. You tell me after the end, okay? I'm going to read you this next headline. Okay. <laughs> I'm having a hard time doing it with a straight face. Event Horizon Blu-ray coming from Scream Factory, who hope to restore long-lost deleted scenes. I take it that sound of clunk-clunk was Derek throwing his head set down in disgust. Uh, I'll wait here for just a moment to see if he comes back, and if not, I'll continue the podcast without him briefly. Are you kidding me? It's coming, baby. It's getting the full, uh, full Scream Factory 4K experience and restoration. Lord. Yeah. And they're going to try to track down the, the lost footage that was apparently lost in a salt mine somewhere. You know what? Good for whoever likes that movie. That would be me raising my hand. So listen, listeners, uh, if you are also in the uh, in the category of those who like this movie with me, listen to this little bit of news here. And Derek, I think you can get a giggle out of it as well. After DVD sales went through the roof, Paramount changed their tune about... An extended cut of the movie wanted to team up again with director Anderson to release a director's cut, but there was a big problem. The additional footage was lost. In 2017, Anderson confirmed that one of the film's producers, Lloyd Levin, which sounds like a lost character from Dumb and Dumber, had a VHS copy of the movie that may still have the lost footage on it. However, Anderson added... I've never managed to watch it, nor has he, because he moved to Spain. Apparently, if you move to Spain, you're not allowed to watch VHSs anymore. I travel so much that we've never been to the same country with a VHS player. I think that's the Spain thing. And him having the cassette in his hands. But I'm very excited about doing it at some point. I'd like to see what's on that tape. And they've put a call out for people if they have any leads on how to get to this footage to let them know. Well, good. You know, I I said on the episode where we covered Event Horizon, and I think I've said it on others, that on the very shortest list of additional material I'd like to see from any movie is the lost footage of Event Horizon. Mm -hmm. The idea that it's going to be some kind of Blu-ray transfer from VHS, which may be a bootleg copy that Lloyd Levin made, (laughs) I guess we're going to have to smuggle out of Spain. I don't know. It's it's testing my hypothesis. I, I figure it's just going to be like six really huge pixels bumping up against each other while people scream. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm in for that. <laughs> that would that would actually probably be preferable to you, right? Yeah, I'm I'm down. Let's yeah. do that. Um. Anyway, listener, if you're interested in this, Scream Factory hopes to release the Blu-ray on September 29th. They said that COVID could get in the way, but that's what they're targeting. My goodness. Yeah, more of Event well, Horizon, baby. Put it in I, I my gotta, Blu-ray player. I, I got to be really honest with you. <laughs> Event Horizon was the last thing I expected you to talk about. <laughs> I thought it was a dead giveaway on what the good news, bad news thing was. So I tried to tried to bury the lead. No, I, I, 
Honest to God, I don't know what I thought was going to be the bad news, but it, it it never would have crossed my mind that Event Horizon was what you're going to talk about. Is another way to say that that you it never crossed your mind how bad the bad news would be? <laughs> it's a great film. I'm tired of you besmirching its good gosh darn name, <laughs> sir. You know what, man? I uh, sure that sounds good. I submit for the record that you like Tusk. I don't know if I've mentioned that lately. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> I'm not even sure why. I really do, though. Yeah, the situation with Tusk is that we're just hoping to lose that footage. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at my own joke. Yeah, let's lose the footage. You get it? Because we lost the footage on Event Horizon. Now I want to lose the footage of the Tusk film. It's comedy. It's funny. You're rubbing off on me. It's good. <laughs> I better quit before uh, uh, before the people come and drag me away. <laughs> Next week, next week I'm going to give a eschatology lesson. So we'll just swap out. I'm I'm pretty much at a point mentally where I need the quarantine and the riots to be over so that I can return to mental health. (laughs) Can we do this, 2020? Please. Yes, please. That would be wonderful. Well, that's going to put a bow on. This has been this week's and so my good friend Derek Zoo. Hmm. It sounds like you've got something to say before I ask the question, so let's let's do that first. Yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna say this. Um, I am willing, and this has no uh, this isn't a tit for tat or anything like that. But I am willing to the next time you and I are in the same room and we have enough time. I'm willing to watch Event Horizon again and give it the benefit of the doubt. Oh, that's really kind of you, man. That's maybe the best news I've heard in 2020. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I can do that. I can. And if it's, if I still think it's awful, then, you know, at least I've spent some time with my good buddy, Jeff, and that'll make it worthwhile. Yeah. i tell you what, I don't know when we will have that time, but this thing comes out in September 29th. There are holidays after that date. Maybe you come home for a holiday. I buy the Blu-ray. I, I supply the pizza and we just give the new collector's edition Blu-ray a spin and see what, uh, see what comes of that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll be home October the 10th, so we'll try to try to put something together. That sounds like a plan. We can do a double feature at the at the Sparta Drive-In. We can do Evil Dead and Event Horizon <laughs> and basically ruin my reputation in her hometown forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just figured that it would be me putting it on and you would just be there as a bystander. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wearing the like fake mustache, Inspector <laughs> Clouseau outfit. Hey, is that you, Jeff? No. I thought Jeff hosted this podcast with you. He doesn't. It's a different Jeff. He, uh, he had a fall festival he had to attend tonight, so. <laughs> Just do it. Oh, it hurts because it's true. <laughs> I'm going solo on this one. Uh, you know me too well. You stuck your knife between the chinks and the armor, pal. Thanks. <laughs> Speaking of uh, sticking your knife in the chinks of the armor, today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. They have the precision tools for your family jewels. And Jeff Wright, Father's Day is coming up. And what better way to say I love you to your dad than to give him something that will take care of those downstairs danglers. Am I right? Maybe I'm not right. Okay. That's no big deal. I'm terrified to agree. (laughs) Well, you shouldn't be, buddy, because Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent over 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created and they just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 that you and i have both had the opportunity to try out 
Now, this third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of men are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. And fellas, this just isn't trimming up the, the downstairs bits, all right? Your chest, your back, your legs, if you're like that kind of person. I don't know. Maybe you have hairy legs and you want to nick them down so that it doesn't look like you're playing on the rough. I don't know what your deal is. I'm just saying you can do that. And you know why you can do that? You can do it all in one sitting because this thing has a premium battery that will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. It's also water resistant so you can groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features it has is an LED light which illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to the 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And again, I used this this week and this thing is, it's like it's nothing. It's amazing. Let's not forget about that charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud because of the intelligently designed stand is a conveniently docking, excuse me, convenient charging dock powered by USB. Fellas, Ladies, like I said, Father's Day is coming up. Give your man the perfect gift. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Go ahead. Trim whatever needs you. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SCARYPOD. Again, that is manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SCARYPOD. Fellas, don't have Michael Myers hiding behind your bushes. Trim those things down so he runs away. Manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, promo code SCARYPOD. Manscaped, we thank you for sponsoring us here today. And gentlemen, grab this from Manscaped, and your balls will thank you. All right, so you really got me laughing really hard with the Michael Myers comment, so kudos to you for that. I'll just give you Thank that you. one. Uh, two, you know, I've, I've used this thing a lot. I think some of our listeners know I have a pretty full beard uh, in terms of facial hair. And the, uh, the, the lawnmower does a great job of giving a nice tight line around the edges of your beard, and it's also really good for those weird neck trails that, that men grow down the back of their neck that you kind of have to have someone who's cutting your hair address for you. Um, I also am really, I'm really impressed with the aroma of the various oils and spices they sent. <laughs> yeah. You yes. liked that, didn't you? I did. Uh, very much so. So much man stuff is like sandalwood kumquat scented and <laughs> the, the stuff manscape sent, I'm not embarrassed to wear. So, right. uh, you know, guys, if you're listening, I, I'm assuming that you've, you've heard manscaped on different podcasts. You've got on and checked it out and thought, maybe should I? You should totally. You should absolutely, absolutely. The uh, I know the the lawnmower package that they have comes with the lawnmower 3.0. It comes with the crop reviver, the crop preserver, uh, the <laughs> almost said delicious, the very <laughs> pleasing aromas that Jeff was talking about. Yeah, I've not I've not uh, sampled it for taste yet. Right, I haven't either. Uh, it also comes with a pair of boxer shorts. It's uh, it's a really great. It's a really great package for your package. So you should definitely try out Manscaped. And like I said, Father's Day is next Sunday. And uh, it's a great it's a great gift. You know, it not it's not just for the for the downstairs bits. It also, you know, like Jeff said, for the for the reverse happy trail down the neck and and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So manscaped.com, promo code scarypod, 20% off free shipping. All right, my man. With that noted, are you ready to pull the curtain on paranormal activity too? Yeah. Dang, man. You're killing me with these lead-ins here. Pull the string. I'm sad. Do we call Mark in? I don't care. Jeez. I'm going to. Hey, Mark. Come on in, bud. What? No. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Derek's down. Don't, Don't let it bother you. It'll be okay. 
starting to come back from the Manscaped promo. I'll be honest. Yeah. It's like an adrenaline high you're coming off of. Yeah, I gave it all for that. Yeah, I can tell. Still giving like a little bit about the uh, Michael Myers coming. Like Fred Durst and the Nookie. Oh, my. We are really stuck in 1999 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We've stepped into the wormhole. Good. I will tell you this. The world didn't shut down and erupt into flames in 1999. You know what I'm saying? It's just Woodstock. <laughs> this old man comment brought to you by Jeff Wright. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. Don't worry about it, Jeff. <laughs> I'm basically the Pepperidge Farm guy from the meme at this point. I'm riding around in an Amish buggy. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this thing. I think I already told you this, but it is confirmed, Eric. I like this better than the first movie. Man, I, I'm i not saying you're wrong. Yeah, you are. I'm, I'm not. I'm not because uh, stuff like this is objective. And I, I just I, I just can't uh, – I don't have the strength in me to argue with you about it. <laughs> Found footage has sucked the life out of you? Yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like the sister at the end of this thing. <laughs> That's better than feeling like old Daniel. Yeah, for sure. That's coming uh, later. <laughs> That'll be about the ghost dimension. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I've got a. I've got two categories on my note sheet here. Okay. Weaknesses and why I liked it better. Okay. You want to empty I'm out the bag of criticisms? I'm interested to hear all this, man. Lay it on me. All right. So weaknesses of this movie. Do you remember last week we talked about at the very end of the episode something I've considered to be a major strength of the first two films, which is they show you a bunch of useless footage, but because they have trained you to look for even the smallest details on the screen, you're like leaning in, looking to see if something flitters in the background or whatever. Mm -hmm. This movie wore out that that technique's welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of time where like the dog is looking in the bathroom or the mom's looking out the window or the dog and the baby are looking at the window where I'm like, "Mm, am I going to see anything? And it only pays off one time with the bird smashing the window and the rest of the time it's just... It's just abusing my my willingness to to follow them down the trail, and so it frustrated me. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, if I never have to see a pool vacuum ever again, it'll be too soon. Okay, that's great. So I started with number one on my list. Number four on my list is why is the demon obsessed with the pool vacuum? Yeah. I get messing with doors. I get messing with the kid. Um, I I get the impression from Paranormal Activity that when the demon manifests, it kind of has to build up its strength, right? Mm -hmm. But the the thing with the vacuum, I just can't get my head around. In fact, I went on the internet and looked for, like, why does the demon care about the pool vacuum? Nobody has a compelling theory. It it just makes the demon feel more like a, I don't know, what about Bob-style prankster. Yeah. Uh, And, like, there's that one scene where the... (laughs) The the pool cleaner just shoots into the sky, mm-hmm. like the demon said, screw this thing in particular, and launched it into orbit. Yeah. Which seems really off mission for uh, a demon that needs to take over a woman so he can kidnap a kid. Yeah, at one point, I just thought that Toby thought it was another monster, and he was like, there's only room for one. Maybe that's it. He, do- he just doesn't relate to tech. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is a thousand-year-old demon. So maybe he just it's like, what kind of beast is this? Who cleans their ponds? Yeah. <laughs> Indulgent people. Maybe he was in the jet streams in the pool. I yeah. Know. I mean, I, the, I dog, the dog goes for the pool cleaner. And yeah. He, 
At one point, the pool cleaner gets out and like heads off, which actually kind of parallels the way the demon messes with the kid. Mm-hmm. Why does the demon want a kid and a pool cleaner? Maybe he's just got a really murky moat around his castle. Demon castle? Maybe. I, that is a white t- castle. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I think this, I can't remember if this is a deleted scene or it's in the, you know, the, the theatrical cut. So help me out with this. Okay. Is it a deleted scene that the dad goes out to the hot tub and the hot tub is boiling hot and he jumps in the pool? I want to say yes. Um, I, yeah, I've watched I this say movie yes, a lot and it's blurring together. Full disclosure, man, I watched this movie last week and I'm, I was trying to find time today to like put it on while I was you know uh, cleaning my apartment and stuff, and I just didn't didn't have the time to do so. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, it's it sounds that sounds like more of a deleted scene than something that was actually in the in the movie. That sounds like something that had it been in the movie, I'd have remembered it. Well, it, it feels like the pool thing, the pool cleaner thing, is just an excuse to to play with the pool that's at the house. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool the way they kind of flesh out the the human characters by you know showing us them playing in the pool and talking about family history and stuff. I'm cool with all of that. But if you're gonna do the pool, also has sinister presence. I think it's a deleted scene. Listeners, y'all can get back to us and tell me. Um, but you know, at one point we see the pool and the hot tub is boiling like a you know a pot on a stove, and then it kind of simmers down just long enough for Dad to get in, and it burns him really bad, and he jumps in the in the pool. Yeah, that's a much better version of the pool is also sinister. You know, right? You could also have that scumbag boyfriend and the girl out there. And the scumbag boyfriend could get drugged under the water a couple times, and she thinks he's playing, but no, for real, the demon's trying to kill him. Like, do any of that. Don't do not do the weird BB-8-looking pool <laughs> vacuum shooting into orbit. Um, How dare you disparage the good name of BB-8? Well, hey, look, BB-8's great as a droid. Uh, and I know I'm being anachronistic here, but I, I just don't like him as much as a pool cleaner. And I certainly don't like him as a, you know, a, uh, a pool cleaner that is basically the demon's toy ball. That's fair. <laughs> you know, biggest issue with this movie for me, only realized it this last wa- uh, watch through, the housekeeper and the dog are basically the same character. <laughs> That's, yeah, good call, man. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, neither one of them can speak in a way that the the couple understand, which, by the way, if you're going to hire live-in, you know, uh, help for your, you know, as nanny and a house cleaner and whatnot, maybe, maybe have some means of communicating verbally with them. Maybe don't hire the nanny from Family Guy. You know, I. <laughs> this is awful. I just don't watch a lot of Family Guy, so I'm just going to have to defer to your expertise on that. Yeah, she's like a maid or something. People that watch Family Guy, I'll understand what I'm saying. Gotcha. <laughs> I uh, hope. <laughs> Maybe people are like, what the crap's that guy talking about? It, it's just a bad trope that animals can see demons, toddlers might be able to, and also Spanish-speaking people. I, I don't feel like the housekeeper was particularly, I don't know, she wasn't treated particularly respectfully. and I didn't. No, she it. wasn't. She wasn't. I also don't know what's so crazy about a woman burning a little sage in your house. When everybody knows crazy stuff's happening. Right. Uh, now, I've never had live-in help who burn sage in my house. But, you know, if I trust them enough to live in my house with me when I go to sleep at night, I'm probably going to say, you know, I'm not into the sage thing. Can we just not do that? Instead of putting them to the curb. Mm-hmm. Call me crazy. Um, yeah, I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm not happy about that. I feel like it's poor storytelling. Like, I'm not trying to get 
into any you know uh, identity categories. I just feel like it's it's a character who is not uh, just not handled very carefully, and I don't appreciate that. Do you feel like it's ex machina for ex machina's sake? Well, you know, we've talked on here after we watched the uh, horror noir documentary about the trope of the magical Negro, and I'm using the language that the documentary uses for that. Um, yeah, which by the by the way, Shutter's put that on for free, and you know how much I hate Shutter. But if you have not seen horror noir, you should go to Shutter and watch it right now. Absolutely, and you know, I'm I'm desperate to read the book. I can't find a copy of the book that's not you know published at academic publishing prices, but I'm assuming if the documentary is as good as it is, and it's every bit as good as Derek said, the book will be as well. So glad to co-sign that. Uh, but anyway, to go back to that trope, I feel like we get the magic Latina thing here too. Yeah. And uh, it's it's troublesome as well. It's just like a whole species of stuff that, I don't know, about 2010? Is that when that movie came out? Yes, 2010. We probably should have grown past this at that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about some character having some sense of supernatural vocabulary or sensitivity or whatnot, but I don't want them reduced to, again, you know, unable to communicate well. They're just there to be the, like, mystical presence. I mean, the the best scene in this movie is the daughter and, is her name Martine? Yes. Uh, her dancing after she's tried to warn the, the daughter about just who the boyfriend actually is. Yeah. So, I, you know, if we're going to have that character, give me more of that and less of the, oh, she's she speaks a different language, so she must know voodoo or hoodoo or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's poltergeist. Yeah. So worst part of the movie for me on that front, um, a classic for this uh, this series of film already as a criticism. Why did they not leave? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I, well, I, it's I mean, Achilles I feel hit. like it. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the biggest, the biggest why in this entire series, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you start to see you, you have a camera, and you're starting to to get glimpses of crazy supernatural things. Just get the f out. Yeah, there, there's there's no world in which my wife tells me I was in the kitchen, there was a loud house-shaking blam, and all the cabinets were thrown open at the same time. Mm-hmm. That I don't immediately move to, like, threat-level orange. And the goofball has his whole house wired for audio and video. Right. I go double-check what my wife says, and I see it, and I don't touch anything else in that house except her hand and the doorknob as we're all walking out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. We've run into a couple of those here, and I realize the constraints of the medium kind of force them, and, and really the genre. I mean, it's it's classic, obviously, to be like, don't go in there. Why did you stay in the house, X, Y, Z? But right. this one feels particularly egregious because they have it all on video. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, uh, again, if we're talking tropes, it's that everybody in a scary movie is stupid trope. Mm-hmm. Where oh we've just gotta we've just gotta watch this the whole thing play out or, or we're gonna be stubborn and you know say that oh you know you're imagining things or or something happened until we get hard physical proof and even when we get hard physical proof like you said with the the cabinets and everything exploding you know the dad doesn't do anything again until until the very end of this thing where he's being attacked by his wife or or excuse me when um, they they show the footage of her being drugged into the basement right. Yeah, and even with some of that stuff, like his daughter calls him bawling, and it, it's because he rushed out of the house. You know what I mean? Like I know he had a bunch of Burger Kings to manage, but 
your family's clearly in crisis. You run out of the house, and lo and behold, that was the bad move because your your wife and your daughter got into a huge fight. Like, man, maybe be a little bit more present again because you have all this on on film. Like, I. I'm more sympathetic if the guy's like, why can't y'all get along? And there's no there's no confirmation that actual crazy stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. Even the, you know, they have that little fight where he's like, oh, yeah, you didn't hang the pot on the hook. And she's like, I hung the pot on the hook. And he's like, no, there's no way. Just go to the footage. Just go yeah. look at the poor girl, like, looking out the window forever while the pot slowly turns away from all the rest and drops again. So the... I'm willing to suspend a lot of disbelief um, as a horror movie fan. I'm willing to really go to pretty extensive links with found footage, but in this one, I don't think they were being careful. I, I don't. I don't like being the like hipster guy who's just picking apart the plot. That's not what I'm into watching horror movies for. Right. But that one seems pretty egregious. See, and everything that you're, everything that you're bringing up in this one are the reasons why I feel like that after the first one, this whole thing starts to. Uh, and, and this is a tire cliche that we use a lot, but it's 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 the law of diminishing returns on these movies. Uh, but but not just that, it it feels like that the first one the first one had a set of rules, and, and there's some stupid parts to it. You know, it's not a perfect movie, but you really feel what that couple's going through with Mika and Katie. And there's enough there's enough meat on the bone to keep you intrigued in it. And for me, and obviously you feel different on this, but for me. Everything starts to unravel in this movie, and, and then to find out that it's a prequel, and these are you know these are the people that start the whole thing. I mean, granted, the the last what fifteen twenty minutes of this movie is really good, but the hour and ten to get to it for me was just horrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that that's you know of course like you said earlier this stuff's subjective. It's it's right. your experience. Like I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm, I'm going to come back. I really am, and argue for why this movie's better. But I get that. I I just feel like they went fast and loose. I think this movie came out really quick after uh, after they realized the first one was a hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're looking at October of 2009 for the first one, and then I think October 2010 for the second. Yeah. So I mean, they were they were striking while the iron's hot, but they fell into that. They fell into those like, oh, we got to make it bigger. We got to, you know, we've got to do more and more and more. And, and in in this case, it, it just felt for me, it felt flat. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I'm still going to make a case for it, but I, I just feel like that that quick turnaround left them like I think they have a pretty good concept for why the house should be wired up. So I'm, I'm going to in a minute mention that as a positive, but. Some of the choices they made about how people react to the footage that they obviously have access to, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was just it must be a product of trying to rush this movie out to the theater a year later. I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, just a smaller two two smaller points of like plot criticism, and I guess I'm coming at this as a dad, but. At the point the mom realizes crazy stuff is happening, and she's out far ahead of dad on that, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you leave the kid in the in the nursery? Do you not automatically bring him into your room? Right. Uh, I don't know. Other parents out there, uh, maybe you want to tell me I'm wrong on that, but I feel like as soon as I know there's a hostile presence in the house, my kid's with me the whole time. Uh You know, even the, the fateful night when the dog has to be taken to the vet— Based on the timer on the screen, she just chills on the stair steps there for like an hour or something. And, you know, again, as a dad, I know what it's like when you get a kid to sleep 
and you don't want to disturb anything in the house lest you wake them up. So I'm I'm sympathetic. But also, I've never been in that scenario when I thought there was a malevolent supernatural entity in my house. And at that point, she's very convinced there is. And she's the only one in the room or anyone only one left in the house uh, to protect the baby. So I don't understand the, like, sitting on the stairwell thing. And last one. The the uh, the attack on the dog is pretty powerful. Yeah, that's where I hated Toby. That got me in the in the feels. But I, I've got to wonder why are we not able to see that encounter from the angle that the video, you know, on the other side of the kitchen, basically coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like a cheap move for us to say, "Oh, this is going to happen off camera," and whoever is supposed to be editing this together to not show us that angle. Now, it works better because your imagination fills in what happened to the dog, right? Yes. But all they have to do is, I mean, we've got like black uh, screens with white text on them in this already. Throw one up that says, we can't show you what happens to the dog. And then give me the footage that's there. And I'm happy with that explanation. It was viewed too gruesome to display. Yeah. Because uh, there's not really anything super gory or violent in this film, you know, outside of the mom being drugged down the stairs. And so if you just give me the implication that the dog was physically brutalized and there was some bloodshed, I'm happy to have the angle we've got now. But if you don't do that, I'm automatically instantly curious, like, why don't you just show me what happened to the dog? Well, yeah, I mean, that could have been... Um an animal rights thing or yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I would just, I, I, I would just, yeah, own I, it. I agree. Yeah. All right. There, there's all my criticisms. You want to tell me, tell me yours that we hadn't got to. No, I mean, I'm, I'm tracking with you on that. Um, again, I think, I think the biggest criticism for me is, is that, and I look forward to hearing your rebuttal on this, but it just, it, in an hour and a half movie, a 90 minute movie, it felt like that there was, 75 of it that you could have gotten through. Well, maybe not 75. Like you've got to set this, the plot and the story and stuff. But man, I just, I hate this. I hate this. We've got to show, we've got to show every night and we've got to show the pool and we've got to show the dog and we've got to show the living room and we got to show the baby and nothing happening. Yeah, nah, I'm with you. I think they could have reduced that by a factor of 20 to 30 percent and the movie would have been better. Yeah. And and you know what? Honest to goodness, Jeff, that I probably would come come back and be like, OK, yeah, I think it's a better movie. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like the, the end, the end of this movie far outweighs the first movie, in my opinion. But it's getting there. That is the slog for me where I've just I, and I remember in in the theaters being like, for real? Like, why are we going back to this flipping pool vacuum? Yes. There's, there's, there's just no reason for it. I love the fact that they twist it on its head with it being a prequel, right? When Katie shows up and you don't realize that it's before Katie gets possessed, I remember in the theater people were like, oh, no, right? And that's a cool moment. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when Mika show, you know, and and then there's the part where Allie goes, "Hey, where's Mika?" And Katie's like, "Oh, he couldn't make it." And you're like, "Yeah, couldn't make it because he's dead." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And, and then Mika shows up, and you're like, "What the?" F-? You know, I remember those those feelings, but that's that's all you get until the very end of the movie. And you, for me, and again, I, I truly am looking forward to hearing what you say about this. But for me, man, it was it was too much. Like I need, I need a little bit more. And, and had you, had you just given me something, even if it had been like the, the part where 
the baby gets, you know, pulled out of the, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Where, where obviously Toby picks the kid up and gets him out of the crib. If that would have happened earlier in the movie, just something you, you can't, yeah. you can't just continuously go to these same, these same clips and, and, and try to set something up when nothing happens. It's just, it's not, it doesn't, it didn't work for me. I, I'm not going to say it doesn't work. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I, it it does seem that there's a pretty obvious way to do basically the same movie. You give me two times in separate days the nighttime tour of the grounds through the security cameras. Give it to me early on, and I, I just get a sense of what's normal and what the layout of this place is. And we don't have to go back, right? You can right. put me in the kitchen and show the, the motion lights coming on, and I'm like, I'm good. I know what's out there. I know what the pool looks like. I realize the... The pool vacuum's probably having a rough time right now, and let's move on. The other thing you could do is the scenes of like the dog looking at the window or looking in the bathroom. There's um there's one time where the daughter is asleep on the couch in front of a TV, and the TV goes white noise, and you see a shadow like extend over her, mm-hmm. and she wakes up, and you can tell some sinister happened. Throw a few of those things into the dog looking at the window. Let me look in the closet. Uh, mirror face and see that there's something moving across the window or that, you know, the shadows got deeper and stretched out towards the kid's crib as the, as the dog's barking at the doorway. Just give me a little bit of that to pay some of that off. Yeah. Even, you know, they, they try to ape the, the scene where, uh, where Katie is standing over Mika's bed for hours Mm -hmm. at a time. But in this one, it's just the dog pulling his head up and laying it down and pulling his head up and laying it down. And I'm like, man, that just cut that out. I don't need any yeah. of that. So anyway, I'm deeply sympathetic. Even somebody who really does like this movie, I'm really sympathetic. Yeah, I I just I do, man. I just I need more. Like, I think that they're trying to build the anticipation and the anticipation is what's supposed to make it scary. Uh, but I mean, for me, it just, it misses its mark. Like for instance, I saw a TikTok video this week that was more terrifying than this movie. <laughs> well, you're going to have to send me your TikTok follows then. Um, I get it though. So I think I can account for this. So hold with, hang with me. Okay. Sure. So here's why I like this movie better. And the first one's a bit of a cheat, but I think it deserves to be mentioned, okay? Okay. Closest parallel to Paranormal Activity is The Blair Witch. We're agreed, right? Right. This movie as a sequel is so much better than the sequel to The Blair Witch that the two don't even, they don't belong in the same conversation as sequels, right? Sure. So I just want to give credit to whoever whoever is behind Paranormal Activity 2. I think Spielberg was checked out by that point. I just want them to get credit for like not completely ruining what made the original enjoyable. I know that's a low bar, but they get credit for it. Sure. Here's the second thing. I like the family better in this in this movie. Than Mika and Katie? Yeah. Now, maybe not more than Katie, although I really like Christy. I thought um, the woman who played her has a has a name I'm not used to saying. and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, but I thought the woman who played Christy was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Katie's really likable. But the dad is much more likable than Mika. The daughter's great. The little bit we get with Martine, she's wonderful. And Abby, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for dogs. So, like, I really cared about this family. And as a guy who who can remember when my my wife was a new mom and the excitement of having her first baby in the house and whatnot, I think the lady who played Christy does a really good job of being super cute and vulnerable and 
really likable, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a good hang, the kind of person you would like to go over to their house and like chill at the pool with him and, and swap stories, you know? Yeah. Her name is Sprague Gar- uh, Graydon, by the way. Sprague Graydon. Yeah. Again, not not a name I'm used to, to saying, but I thought she was really great in this. Yes. Um, and then when she turns sinister, she does a really good job being sinister, too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, in a way that I didn't with Mika, I cared about everybody who's in this movie. I'll, I'll tell you where I think they actually handled the storytelling the very best in this in a way that approaches sophistication. Now, these movies don't really have a plot, but where I want to commend them as a storyteller is, you know, the daughter is all excited about the house being haunted. Mm-hmm. And they just give us that one scene where she's talking to her dad and she says, you're being too negative. And he's like, why do you think this is a good thing? And she says, maybe it's mom. Right. And man, my heart went out to her. And that made all the sense in the world about why she'd be so naive about this thing. And like, that just works super duper well. They didn't lay it on heavy. It's just the one scene. It's never mentioned again. And I completely understood. So like the family, I already mentioned that the premise for recording is better here. Um, You know, there's so many times in the first paranormal activity. and, And tell me if you think, think I'm wrong about this. There's so many times in the Paranormal Activity original movie that you would say, why was Mika carrying the camera there? Right. You know, we talked about how, like, particularly when Katie's like, can you get the camera out of my face? This movie doesn't suffer for that. The The one scene that you feel that way about is when dad has the camcorder out and the daughter screams and apparently it's just because somebody left something gross in the toilet. Yeah. That's the only time in the movie I had to wor- wonder why would someone be recording right now. And so I think that helped the movie. Uh is there is there something I'm overlooking there? No. No, not at all. I'm just, I'm just I'm just listening. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to ramble, but I do feel like I'm kind of a, a lawyer making my case, so <laughs> Yeah, no. I I mean you and you're doing great so far. Um two other points. One, I liked the prequel sequel move on this. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, when when Katie shows up, uh, my eyebrow moved up. Like, I didn't expect that. And then we just get more time with her, and we like Katie more by the time this movie's over, right? Yeah. Um, they do a pretty good job of, like, here's why Mika got obsessed with cameras. And here's why you should care what happens to these girls and their and their family, these women and their family. Um and then, as you mentioned, when I guess the title card comes up and says nine days before Mika was killed, you're like, oh, then Katie shows up covered in blood. And yeah. that move really worked for me. So t- to get a sequel that was a prequel and a sequel, I thought was pretty cool. And and here's a theory I've got to throw to you. I'd love your commentary on. Okay. Okay. Do you think you need to see the first Paranormal Activity to like this movie? No. Okay. I'm with you, too. And... This is this is a major factor in why I think I like this movie better. This movie tells me everything I need to know about the series as it's going along. And so I think if I was going if someone was like, "Hey man, I want to get into that paranormal activity." I think I would tell them to watch this one first. Hmm. Because if you watch this movie first, you're not as exhausted by the long scenes where nothing happens. Because you're still kind of in that space of like leaning in to see if something's going to move in the darkness. I think when you watch Paranormal Activity 1, then you come to this one and it doesn't give you a payoff like you and I have talked about. You're disappointed in a way you wouldn't be if 
uh, if you hadn't had the experience with paranormal activity one. Yeah, I think that's fair. And even, you know, you think, well, but Katie's showing up as a killer. We spend so much time with Katie in this movie that you're going to be, you know, you, you've got these placards that are like Katie disappears and Mika dies. Like you, you already spent time with these characters and like them. When she shows up as a possessed T-1000, you're going to feel that, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think if somebody ever comes to me and says, paranormal activity, where should where should I start? I think I'm going to tell them this one. And if they like it, to go back and watch the first one. And I'm going to, I'm going to ground that claim there in my last point. I think the scares are better done in this movie when they happen. So you tell me if you agree or disagree. The best scare in the first film is Katie standing over Mika's bed. I'll disagree with that. Okay. What what would you say the best one is? I think the best one for me is probably when he goes back upstairs after she's uh, outside. And when he turns around, she's right there. Okay. That's cool. And and I'm not the biggest jump scare fan, but that, that one always did it for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy to, to grant you that one. So let's say that we've nailed two of the top three there. The third one for me would be, um, that, that scene where, they see footprints in the baby powder. Yeah. And then the fourth one would be when Katie's drugged down the hall. So I feel like you get every bit of the jump scare value out of this second one that you did out of the first one. Uh, I, I feel like you get a better version of the woman drug away scene. And then you've got that scene where possessed Katie attacks Daniel uh, in the bedroom, not down in the basement on night vision, but in the bedroom when She's just sitting there catatonic, and he's leaning in. And he's she actually jum- in the living room. Oh, in the living room? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And she jumps him? Well, Daniel? Yeah. Are you talking about Katie or Christy? What did I say? Uh, Christy. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the bedroom. Okay. Yeah. You know, where the daughter's commentary is great in that scene. She's like, be careful, be careful, be careful. And then she reaches up and, like, claws yeah. him or whatever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm in my office alone late at night right now, and I... I just had a little bit of an adrenaline dump from you making that noise, so thanks for that. Don't watch that TikTok then. <laughs> so I, I think this movie scares are better is my is my short version of the long thing I've been walking through. Okay, and if I just want to come to the movie to get the found uh, to a movie to get the found footage effect in the paranormal activity universe, I'm going to give up the Katie standing over Mika scene mm-hmm. in exchange for all the stuff that's in this, and I would just tell people watch this movie first. And on that basis, assuming that you could, you know, come to this movie before you saw the other one, I think this movie's better. I mean, that is a compelling argument, and, and I think that it's something that you would win if it were something that no one, if you were coming to a novice who hadn't watched these movies before. Okay, I think you could you could definitely make that argument and be like, no, just start with two, and if you really like two, then go back and watch one. Um, but as somebody who watched them in order, it just it it really did. It just felt like it felt like. It, it was really tough to get through this one. And by the time, and this has been every time that I've watched it, by the time it gets to the good stuff, I'm already checked out. It brings me back in, but not to where, not to where it was in the first one. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. And I'm, I had that same experience. I'm just trying in the, in the retrospective to kind of treat them as standalone films, you know, like to consider sure. their own merits. Yeah. And, and I'll have to tell you, my my bias is uh, towards this movie in that in the theater, the cabinet door scene 
nearly, I mean, without hyperbole, nearly gave me a heart attack. It just worked perfectly with the surround sound and the tension that I was already feeling with her sitting there expecting something to happen. And the the combination of sound and, and sound like that you can feel with with a you know a theater quality stereo or sound system and the visual of the cabinets all flying open I thought it was I thought it was a great jump scare yeah I would go on I would go on record as saying that is the definitive scare of them of the series hmm. yeah I mean I'm I'm definitely with you on that the other thing in this that that really emotionally got me got me right in the feels is mom being dragged away from her kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, everybody's had the experience of being alone in some place and feeling scared. I don't think I'm saying anything exclusive by saying if you've got a child to protect in that space with you, it just ramps things up. And so when it snatches her away and then she gets loose and almost makes it back and then it snatches her away again and drags her all the way down the stairs, uh, I'm heartbroken, I'm horrified and I'm terrified. And, uh, yeah, on a, on like an emotional level, that's probably the most emotionally gripping scene in the movie for me, or in the series yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I think for me, I feel that way about Katie in the first one. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and I'll I'll also be honest with you that I think that the reason that I don't enjoy this movie as much is because. I do enjoy that Katie character so much. Had she been more a part of this movie, I think maybe I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that you're wrong about the family. I think you're absolutely right. The fa- the family as a whole as a dynamic, they are they are much easier to love than uh the Mika Katie situation. Sure. But I I re- excuse me, I got choked up. Um I really did fall in love with that character of Katie. And so for me, it just felt like a, re- a rehash of all the stuff that we'd seen with her before. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's still, it, it, it's huge. It's got, you know, it's, it's got a lot of emotional, <laughs> it's got a lot of emotionality in it. Uh, so I definitely see your point on that. But I think for me, it would, it would go with, with Katie in, for the first one. Well, I'm happy to agree with you that Katie is the most likable character in this franchise. Like I said, I really like Christy. I really like the daughter. I really like the dog. Um, but right now, Katie's the one. And and yeah. really, as lovable as she is, is what makes you hate so bad what happens to her. So you're you're in my mind totally right on that front. I yeah. I, I still feel Christy being drug away. I, mean, I maybe it's just because Mika is able to collect Katie so quickly and she gets away from it, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody's there for Christy. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the difference for me. Yeah, I mean that that's that's not a that's that's a pretty good point as well. Um because cause it is it is one of the more terrifying parts because you know, like you said, she's she's there by herself. Well, she's with the baby, yeah. you know, but that, that baby's not gonna be able, <laughs> baby's not gonna be able to help her. Uh so it really does feel you really do feel helpless in that moment and you feel helpless for her in that moment. Well, and she knows and you know the baby is left to the mercies of the demon at that point, you know. Right. The yeah. demon can trap her downstairs and she's undone. I mean the baby can do the baby is fair game at that point, so. Yeah. Uh, let, let me ask yeah, let me let me ask you this question and, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this or not. But I found <laughs> I found Katie to be so lovable that I was even actively kind of rooting for her at the end of this thing. Uh, 
And here's here's the reason why. Because when Daniel transfers the curse over to Katie, I lost all the love for Daniel that I'd had before. Yeah, Daniel sucks at that point, man. He sucks. At, at, at that point, he becomes Mika to me, right? Yeah. And I hate that Christy is murdered in this movie. I hate that you know I hate that that happened. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be a lot of fun to see the Demon Sisters raising a baby. Hmm. But um, when when she shows up in that blood soaked tank top and snaps his neck on that couch, I I remember vividly in the theater being like, "Yes." <laughs> no, that's a great point there because he gets what he deserves. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He does suck. Yeah. And then, you know, and he is worse than Mika. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I kneel before your great point there because it is superior. Well, and just because of the fact of like Mika was trying to get rid of that thing. Daniel's like, oh, no, we've just got to pass it on to the sister. Yeah. You know, and, and Allie's sitting there like, we can't we can't do that. Dad, that's you know, that's that's mm-hmm. Aunt Katie. And he's like, I don't care. It's not your mom. Or it's not Christy, so I don't care, you know. Yeah, and and on one hand, you understand that, right? Like you, if if your wife was possessed by a demon, and the only way to get rid of it is to transfer it over to one of her siblings, it would be tempting to do. Yeah, I mean, I like my sister-in-law. Um, right. Yeah, I just don't think you do that ethically. I think you say, exactly. "Come to me." Maybe you say, "Go to Mika. We'll give you Mika." Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That like this guy's desperate. Uh, the thing is, he's not sympathetic at that point because he's just kind of ignored the problem till it's a huge problem. Yeah. And now he's just willing to throw Katie under the bus to fix it, so it's not an inconvenience to him. So it, it's hard for me to muster up a lot of sympathy for old Dano. And th- and that is one of the problems with all the males in this series. Yep. Is they they don't believe it until it's too late, and then when it's too late, they do something stupid to make it worse. Yep. For sure. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, I, I might be twisted or weird in that situation, but I was full on rooting for Terminator Katie at the end of the thing. Yeah. He, I mean, Daniel, again, I mean, I, I wouldn't advocate for this in real life, but in the world of narrative, he got what was coming to him for that choice. Right. And, you, of course, the demon's going to, in the words of Doc Holliday and Tombstone, crawfish on you, you know, <laughs> turn the deal on you. Um, right. Let me ask you this. This is a, a small quibble, and this is where I feel like the horror movie hipster that I don't want to be. <laughs> I, way back when we talked about doing this, it, it stuck in my head that, you know, Katie shows back up, and they're in Carlsbad. I didn't know it was Carlsbad, but I knew it was somewhere else. And so I checked, and I think San Diego, where the first one takes place, and Carlsbad is like 30-something miles away from each other. Okay. How did Katie get there? I mean, I I assume that she can still drive. Yeah, I mean, I'm guess there's no way she walked there barefooted with that blood all over her her shirt, right? So it, it's just a funny image for me. You know, the the first movie opens up with her pulling up in that Miata. Mm-hmm. It's just a funny image for me of bloodstained Terminator possessed Katie driving down the road in her Miata. <laughs> but I guess that's what happened. Yeah. Unless Toby can fly, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just zip up into the air. That's true. Yeah, I, mean, I guess she had uh, yeah. she had to have some kind of means of conveyance of taking the kid. Does does possessed Terminator Katie strap a hunter into a car seat? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, she's got a little pack and play in the Miata. I don't want to be the traffic cop who pulls her over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's just what I was sitting here thinking. License and registration, please. <laughs> You are free hey, you know to what? go. Yeah, you're good. No problem. Matter of fact, it warning. was my, Not it was my tail left. It was out. We're all yeah. good. We're good. Have a good night, ma'am. Yeah, don't eat me. Then you call the dude on the force you hate and be like, hey, I lost visual contact with this Miata. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can you pull it over for me? She didn't have a car seat with that kid. He's just driving her in a lap for crying out loud. I'm going to need you to go get him, Johnson. <laughs> Johnson, don't worry. I'll take care of your wife. For sure. You got your uh, pension to the union, right, pal? Oh, no reason. Just asking. <laughs> your health insurance paid up? All right. Good deal. Well, that's uh, that's the end of my list, Eric. I like this movie better, and I wish I could have started with it. And if I ever get the chance to tell somebody who really wants a dose of found footage from the Ugh. 2010s to jump into paranormal activity, I'm going to say you start with number two. and You can thank your Uncle Jeff later. Like I said, man, I, I mean, I feel like you made a compelling argument for it. And um, I think if I had it to do over, I would probably want to try to do that. If not for anything else, just to know, like to go two to one, just to know the backstory, you know? Yeah. And to, and to know what happened. Um but yeah, as is one to two for me, there's a drastic drop off. Yeah, that's and right. it and it and it just gets worse. I was gonna say, dude, you're you're in for rough rides. Yeah. Um, I started the the third one. I'm sorry. It uh, you know it 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 continues the trope of this this series having really likable female leads. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that much, and I think that's probably the end of good things I can say about the third one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's a wonder that I, I mean, maybe it was it was before she, you know, before she came like a a famous actor. But oh man, I can't believe I'm I'm blanking on this name. Uh, give me just a second. It's it's tragic that Kate Siegel never got a part in one of these movies. Hmm. Hmm. What made you pick her? Well, I, I think because I have the same kind of feelings with Katie Featherston that I do with Kate Siegel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess probably my my eyebrow being raised here. It, it's not a criticism. It's. Uh, I mean, I have no criticisms for Miss Siegel, but I don't have that degree of affection for her. Yeah. I think it does help me that. Yeah, it, it definitely helps me that these are like people I never saw before. Right. I just I just feel like that she would have fit into this world as like maybe even their mom. You know, because I know, uh, spoiler alert, but I mean, we're already in Wahlberg territory, so I guess it doesn't matter. But, you know, the third one deals with young Katie and young Christy. Yeah. And so it's, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she wound up being the mom. But not not to say that the lady who plays the mom in the third one isn't good. I'm just sure. Again, again, saying it's just kind of kind of crazy that, you know, a Kate Siegel never got a part in those. Yeah. Well, uh, you can fantasy book that in your head, man. And I'm, you know what? There may be a paranormal activity 17 or whatever we're up to now where Kate Siegel can drop in. No, I'm good. Don't <laughs> put her in that movie. So, all right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's ask the questions and let's get this, this, let's put a bow on this one. Uh, did we see something scary? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm happy to say, I think I saw something scary in a couple different ways. You know what? I'll probably horror uncle on that one too. I agree. I mean that that scene with the the shelves exploding alone is is worth enough to say that we saw something scary. Even, it, for my opinion, even if it is a little more of a of a drudge to get through the movie, um, that was the big uh, the big one. And and her going down the stairs, being drugged down the stairs was was pretty crazy too. So you know, honestly, to our listeners, I would like to know if that scene holds up if you didn't see it in the theater for the first time. So you know, we've got different ways to contact us. At Scary Podcast on most social media platforms, Facebook group, uh, we saw something scary. Just uh, yeah, get at us. Let us know. I'd, I'd like to know if it holds up if you don't have the benefit of the theater experience. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to know uh, what what our audience thinks about that. And then finally, on a scale of one to ten, where would you put this one? Well, if I could watch this movie uh, as the first introduction to the franchise in a theater, I honestly think I'd give this an eight. 
But as a sequel that fixes some things from the from the predecessor, but also makes some of the, the mistakes we've talked about, particularly the long, pointless shots of what's happening in the house. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this thing down to a six. Okay. This is still a net positive for me. And I've even enjoyed enjoyed the rewatches I've done. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say it's threadbare, but I see some I see some wear and tear happening. Yeah. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna give this a four and a half. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Like we're on we're on pretty much either side of the. This is a you know a fine movie. Like a five would be sure not a waste of your time, and you're you're a little bit like yeah, it probably is a bit of a waste of your time. And I'm going ah, it's a little bit better than that. Yeah, uh, that makes sense of the horror uncle situation for me. Yeah, I agree, man. So uh, just like Jeff said, what do you guys think about it? Let us know. Facebook group, we saw something scary. Uh, and then, of course, if you're uh, if you're more of a Twitter fan, uh, Scary Pod, Instagram, Scary Pod. And you can always hit up Jeff and I personally. He's at Right Jeff. I'm at Derek Zoo. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys, let you know, to let us know what you thought think about Paranormal 2, Paranormal Activity 2, or even the entire franchise, what you're thinking about it. Um do want to appreciate? Do want to say that I appreciate the feedback we got on last week's episode. I think we got some pretty good feedback on the uh, the scary stories at the end of the end of the podcast, and so appreciate that, and uh, appreciate all the new members we've had lately in the We Saw Something Scary Facebook group. Hope you guys are enjoying that as well. Uh, make sure and go to Apple Podcasts. Give us those five star reviews so that more people can know about us and more people can be listening. Uh, of course, we're on every podcasting platform that you can imagine: Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Plenty of Fish, J Date. Anywhere you're swiping right, swipe right on us. We would greatly appreciate it. And then, of course, if you want to partner with us, and we are so very, very thankful for our partners, you can go to patreon.com forward slash scary podcast and uh, partner up with us for as little as three dollars a month. You, my friend, will get a bonus episode of this podcast every month. And uh, we, again, we appreciate all of our patrons who have subscribed. Uh, again, thanks to manscaped.com for sponsoring the show today. Remember, 20% off and free shipping with the promo code SCARYPOD at manscaped.com. Get the perfect tools for your family jewels and uh, go over there and sign up for that. And we appreciate those guys for sponsoring the show. Jeff, that's it. I believe that's it, my good man. Yeah, man. So Paranormal Activity 3 next week. Hopefully we'll have some new trailers. We'll have some horror reporter news. And uh, you know what? Also, let us know if you would be interested in coming to Middle Tennessee on Halloween for that uh, drive-in idea that we have. Because, you know, if enough people want to do it, then I'm I'm interested. But if, if nobody wants to do it, then, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think we could be talked into it. Yeah, for sure. So let us know. Uh, he's at Right Jeff. I'm at Derek Zoo. We're out of time. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. Stay safe out there. And uh, we'll see you guys back here next week. Bye-bye, man. <laughs>